Hello, this is Wayne Highlander. I'm National Sales Manager, Bone Adhesives. And I'm Rob Johnson, the new host of NFL Today. All right, Rob. So, um, where you at these days? I'm in Jersey. Pe- nice. People going to hear this every week thinking, Jesus, every week he's in Jersey. Yeah. Okay, so Rob, uh, this episode we're going to talk about uh, working with designers and um, we're coming up close to the Halloween here. You ever uh, do? You, do you celebrate Halloween? Big time! Yeah, we love Halloween. I, I hate Halloween. What and why is that? I wait a minute. Oh, I know re- you were a kid. You get all that candy and everything, and you get beat up every Halloween. Somebody steal everything from you. Oh my god! Ah. I actually, I actually did get beat up on Halloween once, but uh, it wasn't. The re- it didn't even come to mind until you said it that. It was your brothers, probably. Yeah. No, it wasn't. It was in Colorado. I was coming back from uh, some this thing, and uh, these three older kids on bikes chased us down, beat the hell out of us, took our candy. Yeah, they were, I, we were like I shouldn't I laugh know, at seven, that story. Seven, That's horrible, but I I am kind of laughing about that. It sounds okay, like I got uh, over it. Are you sure that that really yes. happened to you, or that yes, was? Because it sounds a lot like something. the scene in the Karate Kid. Is that right? Yeah. No, yeah. no. Um, we went to Halloween thing. We're coming back and um, we're on our bikes. We had uh, two two brown paper bags with our candy. And my bike was a Huffy. Did you have a Huffy bike when you were a kid with the handlebars and the uh, the banana seat and the sissy bars and all that? All right. You're, you're going to hate my guts when I tell you what kind of bike I had. Don't tell me it was a Schwinn. Oh, he was even better than that. No, Schwinn was the Corvette of the bicycle. When I say the, the bike that I had, you're going to agree, oh my God, that was the best bike anybody could have in the world. I had a I'm, Raleigh I'm pig- Chopper. What the hell is a Raleigh Chopper? You don't know what the Raleigh Chopper was? No. The Raleigh Chopper had a motorcycle seat. It had a huge back tire and a small front tire. And it, Yeah, it ripped off the Schwinn. And it looked like... It looked like a motorcycle. The time, <laughs> the small. The gear shift it on? had the gear shift in the middle. I had a three speed. Yeah. I didn't have the five speed. I couldn't afford that. Yeah. Had the three speed. I never asked no, for anything what? when I was a kid. And I was in Dana's Sports Shop in Andover, Mass, where I used to live. And went into Dana's Sports Shop. And there is this bike, an orange Raleigh chopper and i remember looking at this thing remember when peewee herman would look at his bike did you, uh, did you ever see no, that movie really the... peewee's big adventure no. he would look no, at his bike and all of a sudden the the heavens would open up and uh, wow. and and light surrounded well i had that okay when peewee looked at his bike i said uh-huh. yeah i i know that feeling i walked over i'm looking at that bike and there's a price tag on it 85 dollars Wow. So I think I was in like sixth grade. I came home, said to my father, geez, I I would really like this new, I would really like this bike, you know? And I guess my dad's like, well, he he doesn't ask for much. So we get out of the sports shop, we walk in, we look at it. It's 85 bucks. Well, you know, what's it? 1973 or four or whatever. Uh, no, it was probably even close. It's probably 1970. And he goes, that's that's insane. We, we I don't have that kind of money. He goes, you have to talk to your grandfather, get a job, 
and save your money for that. My grandfather owned a bowling alley in town. I was sweeping parking lot, cleaning lanes, cleaning out gutters, cleaning bathrooms. I got a paper route. It took me about seven months to save up the 85 bucks. Walked in, bought the bike with my own money. The greatest bike of all time. Google it. The Raleigh Chopper. It was the most amazing looking bike you ever saw. I would have liked to have had a bike when I was a child. <laughs> oh. Or 85 bucks or a dad. Oh, all yeah. <laughs> all you had to do, do was you know get a I job. Bought? Go work for it. That's what the old man told you know, me. You know, if you uh, want it, get a job. This is oh. <laughs> You know I bought my first car for $75 and I'm not making that up. Wow. $75 for a, a Chevy station wagon, 1960-something, with uh, dents on all four sides. Because the guy that owned it tried to outrun a state trooper in Kentucky. And he went through the woods, and he, he hit every tree in that forest, I think. But it had an aftermarket air conditioner. Do you remember those? No. It was under the dash, and the thing was as big as a, you know, as big as a house air conditioner. It was under the dash, but when I turned it on, all it did was blow out dust. It had four ball tires... And cost seventy five dollars, and I paid it off by stripping tobacco. See, you work for it. But I'm glad. You, but I'm glad you had a bike. Oh, it, it wasn't a bike. Okay, it was more than a bike. It was a frame of mind. That's what that Raleigh Chopper was. It really was. It was incredible. Yeah. Oh, beautiful. Wish I still had it. Well, every all the kids in our neighborhood had the the Schwinn bike. Was the bike to have. At least in 1967 in Colorado, I mean that was you know mm-hmm. that was the, it was the Corvette. Like I said, it had the big fat tire in the bike in the back, the skinny tire in the front, and uh, but we didn't we, we we never got one of those. And then I remember my brother Steve uh, stole the bike from the neighbor kid. He didn't steal it to keep it. He stole it because you know he just wanted to go for a, ride the bike he, for a day. He didn't steal it. He borrowed it. Yeah, which led to the greatest fight I've ever seen in my life. Nice. Yes, on a dead-end street, uh, about 20 kids in the neighborhood, and my brother Steve fighting his kid, and his kid was huge. And uh, my brother beat the hell out of him. So that was his his uh, way of getting a bike. Mine, I had a dream one time that I had a bike. The dream was so real, when I woke up, I went outside the house looking for it. <laughs> Give me a minute. <laughs> what the hell was this topic about? Uh... Halloween. Uh, working with we're still <laughs> work, working. Listen, yeah, Halloween. You got no, you got beat up. Like Halloween. You got beat up Halloween. I, I did, but that's they not your candy. I don't like Halloween. You had the bike. The kids chased you on a bike. Let me, do, yeah, but that's not. Do you remember the Halloween? Co- the, what costume were you wearing? Maybe that's what lit people up. Oh, I had one of those. You know, you put a mask on your head and you could be whatever. You know, but that's not my trauma for Halloween. The the reason why I don't like like Halloween is twofold. One. I went one year too long, one year too many. I, I, you know, the, the 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 lure of the candy. I should have I should have stayed home and and not went out. But I dressed up like a woman, and knocked on a door. And the door I knocked on in this particular house was the cutest girl in my class I loved, who was handing out candy to the kids. The lure of the chocolate was too much, and that was hard to overcome. There's a movie. There is definitely a movie to be made about your childhood, man. There is 
Can you imagine Definitely. the horror of, of the door the door opens up <laughs> and the cutest girl in the class, you're in a in drag and she's handing out candy to kids like me? Yeah, that, 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 that one was tough. Did you ever watch Looney Tunes? Uh, Did you watch Looney Tunes at all? No, we never got to watch cartoons. Yeah, didn't have a bike, didn't have a TV. No. You just had you know, whatever had a bl- leaf had a or rock you could TV. find. Some twigs, sticks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, the reason I say that is there was a puma in one of the Bugs Bunny episodes. Peter Puma, I think his name was. And at one point, he dresses up like a woman. And to this day, it still makes me laugh out loud when I see it. It's hysterical. And that's when you said you dress like a woman. That's what I was picturing was you dressed up like Peter Puma. Google that tonight, everybody. And and watch that episode of Bugs Bunny. Trust me. It's a classic. All right. All right. Working with designers. Uh, mention the word designer to contractors and, and uh, half of us go running for the hills, right? Absolutely. Uh, I mean... Um, you know, when I first started working with des- designers and, you know, I was a kid or whatever, we didn't know really what their role was. They were just somebody that kind of stepped in our project and, and uh, were a nuisance. Um, it wasn't until years later that I become to appreciate what a relationship with a designer can be. And um, I got past that part of me and I, I, you know, we got with some, you know, like any trade, there's good ones and bad ones. And we, we ended up uh, having a relationship with several really good designers and, um, and they challenged us and they, you know, uh, and I'll tell you the role of a good designer. Now I have no artistic ability and I know that. Okay. I remember we, uh, we had, we, we were going to sell our house. So we had our, we had to stage our house. The real estate lady said, no, you have to stage it. So we said, all right. So, you know, we paid to have it staged and we both came home one day and my wife and I, we opened the door and we couldn't believe it was our house. I mean, this lady came in and, 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 you know, designers do way more than this kind of stuff. I'm not be, you know, I'm not downplaying what they do, but in this particular case, we almost didn't want to sell the house when we, when we got <laughs> finished walking through the house that we, we could have had this the whole time. This is our place. So, and I have no artistic ability and I, I told you about living in Colorado. My, uh, we, when I had art, my, uh, you know, I do the same thing. Every time we had art, I draw this three Indians, a teepee and a fire. And my, you know, my mom was a parent teacher, teacher conference thing. And my mom calls and she's talking to the lady and keep in mind, this is 67 in Colorado. So, uh, <laughs> the, 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 the art teacher says, you know, I don't want to complain about Wayne, but every time we have art, he does the same thing. He draws three Indians, a teepee and a fireplace. So my mom looks at her, she taps her cigarettes on the ashtray and she goes, what's the problem? What do you tell him? She goes, well, I tell him it looks nice. She goes, okay, well, I don't, what's the problem? So we go home and I remember to this day, we're sitting at the kitchen and my mom gave me some crowns and she goes, draw something else. So I get out the crowns and I, you know, I think about what can I, she goes, don't try, don't try any Indians. Okay. Just draw, find something else you can draw. I said, okay. So I drew three soldiers and a campfire and a tent. <laughs> so I can appreciate someone that has an eye and has more of an artist flair and can actually see the end project um, uh, before it's even done. If you look at the world of a designer, 
you know, with Pinterest and Howes out there, and they're getting attacked from a lot of different areas as well. You know what I mean? I mean, now everybody, you know, the they think, well, I don't need a designer. I can just go on Pinterest now or Howes or what have you. But I will tell you, there is a lot to be said from working with a great designer and some of the things that they can bring to the table. And what I didn't understand is um, that they kind of speak a different language than we do. And yes, you can get frustrated because they may have a vision in mind that maybe you can't possibly achieve with what you're working with. But if you can have an open dialogue and, and, um, and, uh, and this is a word that sometimes designers don't want to hear is a collaborative effort and we can get together and, and, and come up with something that close to what they want or what have you. But if you become a resource to a designer, because, you know, some of them are afraid to spec floors or don't understand necessarily the flooring or just need to kind of fill in the pieces of the puzzle. And that's why, and I'm rambling here a little bit, but I hope there's some information here that I'm, I'm getting close uh, to getting the bell. Okay. But, <laughs> but that's where like a CEU is, is great for designers where you can, because you know, a, a continuing education units where you can bring them to your store and kind of go through the different cuts of wood and what you, you know, the different colors and ceruzing and wire brushing and having those dialogues. Now you've just, your value has gone up tremendously. And um, I think there's great value in working with architects or excuse me, in designers, architects as well, but uh, there's, there's great value in working with uh, designers. Any thoughts on that, Rob? Well, or did the, I just take, take all the oxygen out of the, uh, out of the room with that di dialogue? I'm sorry. I, I dozed off there for a second. I'm, we're, oh, okay, there we are. My thoughts okay. on, on what you were just saying there. Well, I go back to the referral business. I go back to being the guy. Now, if you can be the guy for that designer, now she's telling everybody, or he's telling everybody, I've got a guy. I've got the floor guy. And that's just money in your pocket. Yes. Can they be difficult to work with? Absolutely. But you've heard me say this before, with the right designers, the juice is definitely worth the squeeze. Can I tell you a little designer story that I had to deal with one time? Please do. Okay. So we're preparing this uh, downtown flat, you know, the, this it was a big, big, huge, old, old building, hundreds of years old. And it was a uh, manufacturer. They made shirts and stuff like that. They had forklifts and everything driving on this fourth floor floor. I mean, the place was just destroyed. Well, they wanted us to redo the everything. They're having this giant party. So uh, we're, we're trying to do the floor. And I'm, there's fluids all over the floor and oil. And it just it was just an absolute disaster. Well, one section of the floor was just so bad, all I could really do was fill it and prepare it for, for paint. You know, and I said, look, this is this part of the floor is kind of dangerous. You have people walking around high heels and everything. We're, we're not going to be able to do anything. But I said, I do have an idea. I can fill it, uh, use some epoxy and take care of a lot of the bad stuff. And then we'll just put a nice fresh coat of paint on it. And, you know, I can make it all look good. So the guy said, well, what color paint are you going to use? I said, I, I was thinking black. I like black, so everything is black. And he's like, well, I'm not really sure about that. You know, 
It's, I don't, he goes, I don't, I don't think that's what we're looking for. He goes, can you meet me here tomorrow uh, with my designer? I said, sure. So get to the job, walk upstairs. There's the designer and the guy. And the designer brought her um, uh, a golden lab. You know, okay. a dog, right? So I walk over, I'm talking, and they go, oh, we've got the, we got a great color. I say, okay, you know, what is it? Let's go, because I'm going to get the coat on this thing today. They lay the dog down, and the designer says, do you see this fur right here, the color of this fur on the underbelly of the dog? Not the fur on this side, and not the fur here, but the color right there. So for a second, I thought, oh, okay, everybody's just going to start laughing. You know, this is... This is definitely a joke. Right. This can't be for real. <laughs> they definitely don't want me to match the paint to the underbelly of this dog. And especially the fur that they were talking about. Because at this point, I'm like, I, I'm definitely thinking that they're just putting me on. This is not for real. So I started laughing and they they weren't laughing. They were totally serious. Whoa. And she kept pointing to it with her finger. It was just like the scene in Tommy Boy. Not here, not here, but right here. This strip of fur, that's the color that we want. So now I'm ready to oh, man. now I'm ready to just run and dive out the window, you know. So I, I really don't know what to do now. I mean I'm really now I'm thinking, you know, should I walk or are they are they mocking me or that but I know they're not. So I said, Well, I'll tell you what. Um why don't you take that dog down to Home Depot and put it up on the counter and match the swatches to it. And then when you find that color at Home Depot, let me know and, you know, I'll have it mixed in and I'll take care of it. The mistake I made on that job was not following those people with the dog down to Home Depot. Just to see the guy at the home, the paint department's face when they put the dog up on the counter to match the colors to the underbelly of the dog. But they were happy. The job looked great. Everybody was happy. (laughs) And they thought that I was a whiz. There you go. I mean, just, they got to, you're able to answer their need, right? You know, there's just some jobs that will stick with you for the rest of your life. Yeah. And that, that one does. I mean... I hope we got some time here. I can tell my dog story before we get done. So I'll tell you the best thing about decorators. The number one thing about decorators that I like is that they got a lot of friends with a lot of money. Yes. They have connections. Yep. They're the kind of consumers you want. Uh, They've got connections to people that, that if you're hiring a, a, a decorator, a designer, and there's two different things there they usually have money and they're willing to pay for something. And also, you know, like I I never want to be the, the, you know, the, you always want to be the lead dog, right? The scenery always changes. I don't want to always be doing the same thing over and over three bedrooms, sand and finish, you know, uh, no borders, straight laid floor. I want to be able to, to, you know, a lot of us got into this job because you want to be creative and um, uh, they can put you into some really, Cool, cool projects, which can in turn put you into other cool projects. 
So they, they uh, specify a lot of work, even more so than sometimes uh, architects do. So uh, this is uh, another good reason to to uh, to want to have a relationship with designers. Uh, you know, it's it's I mean, amazing just, you said that because Pete and I got tangled up with this one designer, and she was kind of a pain in the neck. But after a few months of working with her, all of our work was in the richest part of the the capital district. You know, we live in the Albany area. All of the work that we did. It was the only time that we ever started working. And then once we got into that section of town, and it was the absolute richest section in town, and it was all from that designer. And then it was yeah. one referral led to another. You know, we were getting referrals and stuff from her, but like you said, it just gave it brought us into a whole new clientele, and no question, a whole new uh, <laughs> level of money too. Well, and if you put yourself in their shoes, you know, they're referring you, it's their, you know, you, you know how, as a floor guy, how important your reputation is to you. It's no different than these designers um, and decorators. Their reputation is everything. So that's why when they get you out onto a job, they want to know that they can trust you as a resource that's going to come through uh, with the project that they want to do. So it's so important to have a great working relationship with them. And I, you know, there's a lot of smart guys that'll take them out to lunch. They'll, they'll sit down with them and kind of talk about new things that are going on in, in the industry. Um, let's face it, a great time to talk about wire brushing. We couldn't offer that before on site. Wire brushing, craft drive. oils, yeah. craft Nordic oils, seal, zero natural seal. Yep. Oh my God. The designers would eat this stuff up. And if you're not doing gray stains, there's... You know, we talk about 50 shades of grays. There's a lot of gray, gray stains out there. Uh, the color palette is this, man, it's, that's not going to change for quite some time. The whites. Uh, and, and if, you know, anybody old like me and Rob that did white stains back in the 80s or whatever, this craft oil white is the easiest white stain you'll ever do. And it's smoking hot, man. And if you can ceruse it, if you can put down, you know, uh, like a dark floor first, the, the dark craft oil, and then put the white over top of it. That look is so sexy. And the wire brushing it, it's incredible. That's if you can make samples up, you can show these to the, the architects, excuse me, the designers and decorators. We know black is going to be in style. The darker colors are still going to be in style for for a while. Um, can I tell you about a, a cool job we did, Rob? At one time, uh, real quick, we uh, it's a two and a quarter strip flooring, same razzle dazzle that you see on every job. And um, at the time, we, we got the Festool tracks, and they're two and a quarter inches wide. Every five boards, we put a, a bevel down, down, down the seam of one of the boards, every five boards. And then we cut a border in, right? That way, I didn't have to worry about getting the bevel all the way to the wall. And then it, we put our own end joints to make it look like the boards were like eight feet wide. And then at the time, we hand scraped it, which is another story. But today, if I had if I had the uh, wire brush, where I could have wire brushed that floor at the same time, we went in there and took a 1970s floor, two and a quarter straight laid, you know, the yellow, you know, looked like the cabinets, whatever, and we were able to take that floor and turn it into a whole different dynamic. Now, when we put them bevels in it, we put the uh, the end joints in it where we wanted it to make the floor. We that that floor was stunning when it was done. So you could you're working with. Designers and and decorators, man, they can be uh, uh, can really change the the trajectory of your business. Uh, 
And for anybody that's not doing herringbone floors or chevron floors, Rob, do you know that pattern's been around since the Roman days? Yes, I do. I mean, that pattern's been around for days. Uh, so, uh, and it's timeless. I And I don't care what anybody says. I mean, I, if you ask me what my all-time favorite floor is. What's your all-time favorite floor? That's none of your business. Uh, my all-time favorite floor is is a quarter sawn white oak floor. I love them. That's the, uh, that yeah. bell is for when you're mean. That's the, the Wayne okay. mean bell. All right. I deserve that. I deserve that one. Now, uh, you know, we've been through a lot of trends, especially on the West Coast with all the exotics and what have you. And there's nothing in my mind that, uh, although walnut now, I'm seeing some really nice walnut floors. I love I love walnut floors as well. So that's a tough one for me, especially stained walnut. I don't like walnut unless it is stained. Um, but um, yeah, that's a, that's, that one does it for me. So, Chevron, herringbone floors, working with the designers. And when I talked about CEU presentations, I didn't finish my thought there. Um, you know, Bona offers CEU presentations and what they are, they're continuing education units that, that the architects and designers, they, not that they would like to have them, but especially architects, they need to have so many. Now we have a guy that travels the country doing these presentations and then you now become the go-to guy. You're the resource, you're the expert, and I would encourage you, if you're not doing it now, to really reach out to your, your design community and uh, see if you can get involved in some of these projects. And the guy who's doing that for us, his name is Dave Darsh. Contact Dave at Bona if you'd like to set up some CEUs with some architects and designers. does a phenomenal job with it. And... Uh, the great part about it, uh, I love talking to Dave because every time he does a CEU for a company, that company starts to make more money. And we go back to, you know, what this is all about, making more money without doing more square footage. But Dave has, uh, he's a wealth of knowledge. Uh, he's been in the wood floor business. God, I don't know. She's probably as long as us. I know that he's, he's our age. So he's probably been doing it 30, 40 years. And uh, he really has that whole architect and design community dialed in. Yeah, no question. He's a great resource for us. You know, when you're talking to these architects and designers, and Dave does a great job of this, is sometimes you don't know what you don't know, right? Um, and so even understanding the cuts of the wood and the different you know species and how they... Um, you know what? You know, look at the evolution in the trade in the last several years with the uh, wide uh, engineered floors and and some of the things that weren't. You know, you couldn't glue down floors uh, in certain environments that you can now. So um, yeah, it's uh, and also we talk about our Green Guard products, the Green Guard certified products that uh, designers may not know that you have the ability to to, to give them. So you start putting that in front of the. You know, and I know another guy. You know, like I said, you can have lunch for him. You gotta pick a restaurant, bring in your samples, bring in your brochures, show some of your work and some of the things that you can do and let them get to know you. It's a great way. We talk about doing more, getting more money with less square footage. Uh, no, 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 no. Not less square footage. More money, same square footage. Okay. Well, what's it's, it's even best to do less square footage, isn't it? No, you want to do the same. All right. Okay. Just more money. <laughs> You know, it's that whole rising tide boat thing. 
Oh, don't get into that. You know, all right, I'm going to tell my dog story. All right. Yeah, let's hear it. I love a good dog story. So I um, was uh, at work one day and I was in my van. I pulled over to Shell gas station. I was filling up my gas tank. And um, there was a police officer there a couple, a couple aisles over from me and he had a guy in handcuffs. And from where I was standing, my vantage point, I could see the top of the dog. You know, it was a German Shepherd Rottweiler, huge dog. But I could only see his head. His head was massive. And um, I went in there to pay, and I was talking to the cop, and I said, what's the deal with the dog? He goes, I thought it was his dog. He goes, no, he's uh, this guy was using, it, was using him for bait, for fighting pit bulls. So uh, this guy's going to jail, and uh, we already called the pound. They're going to take the dog. I said, oh, man, no kidding. He goes, yeah, and I, I could see there was blood all over the chest of the dog, and his nails had blood on them. And, um, uh, and his, he was skinny, skin and bones. The head was huge, but the body was, you know, was skin and bones. And he said, as big as this dog is, it was just in Oakland, California. He said, they'll just, they'll put him to sleep. I said, all right. So I went back and I'm pumping the gas. And I thought, nah, man, I can't do that, man. I got to do something for that dog. So uh, I went over and I said, look, man, I'll, I'll take the dog. And he goes, I mean, you'll take care of it? I, will. I said, well, <laughs> it's a whole lot better fate than what he's got right now. So I mean, he even questioned me, but... Uh, he goes, yeah, you go ahead and take him. So I didn't know if this dog is mean or not. He's massive. So uh, I took off my belt and I put it around his neck and I gently coaxed him up, you know, and I had to lift him up in the, into the seat of the van, which was scary because, you know, this guy's been abused. So I didn't know how he was going to behave. And on the way back, he's sitting in the, in the pastor seat and I'm sitting in my seat and he was looking at me, you know, I look at him and, and uh, I don't know what I have there, but I do know this. My wife has told me as long as I've known her, don't ever bring a dog home, and especially a big dog. And uh, so I didn't know what his fate was going to be, but uh, I knew it was better than it was. So anyway, I got home. He jumps out of the van. My wife looks at it. I said, don't, don't worry. I'll figure something out. I said, he's homeless, and uh, I'll, I'll, do, I'll figure something out. And uh, from that day on, I was a guest in their house. That dog worshiped my wife and uh he, he lived with us until the end he had a fantastic life in fact when it got time to go to bed if my wife was in bed like it you know let's say it's 10 30 at night my wife's already in bed and i started shutting off the lights trying to make my way to the bedroom then the dog who we named headley because his head was so big he would see me and realize it's time to go to bed so we'd start walking down the hall i'd walk a little faster he'd walk a little faster I started walking like a sprint. He would start running and he would jump up in bed next to Judy before I would get there. So, so you kept anyhow, the dog. So Good. Th- kept, kept the dog. The dog had a, a fantastic life. He was a wonderful creature as uh, we should always spade and neuter our dogs. Take care of your animals. I mean, it is uh wow. You know, We're doing a, what do they call it? Public service, a PSA. You just did I, a PSA. Yes. Neuter your dogs. I did. You're like yes. uh, the guy okay. from The Price is Right. What was his name? There you, well, no. But it, yeah, uh, he used to do that, uh, talking about neutering your dogs. Good. Not the new guy, take, the old guy from The Price is Right. Uh, Art Wink, 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 no, Wink, no, Wink. no, no. He was in He was in Happy Gilmore. Bob Barker. Bob, Bob Barker. Bob That's Barker. Right. He used yes. to do the PSA for the dogs. So, uh, so what are you dressing up as this Halloween? I'm not. Come on. As a matter of fact, we turn we, we turn off all the lights and leave. We're that couple now. Oh. I know. I know. It's oh, the way man. it is, man. What is wrong with people? <laughs> You're kidding me. 
Okay, so this has been another episode of On the Floor with Wayne Highlander and Rob Johnson. Please stay tuned for another episode.